0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast.
1: These were children who deserved to be happy. Most of all, they deserved to be safe. As a dad, I can't imagine what it would feel like to have my kids taken away from me. And as Prime Minister, I'm appalled by the shameful policy that stole Indigenous children from their communities.
2: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on the horrific discovery of 215, the remains of 215 children at the site of a former residential school in Kamloops, B.C. And Negan Sinclair joins us now on the phone, Professor of Native Studies at the University of Manitoba and a calmness. Negan, good afternoon.
0: Uh, good morning, or good afternoon, sorry. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, that's fine. Boy, I'll t- time these days, you don't, e- don't even... Uh, don't apologize uh this is um this is just so tragic and i think it's coming as a as a surprise to a lot of canadians obviously not to you uh and and others uh, in the know uh, help us understand this why it happened and, and why there are likely more graves like this
0: yeah it's been a pretty heavy weekend since the news came out thursday but of course the the studies on the Kamloops Residential School has been going for about two decades. So um, uh, those of us in the community, but those of us, frankly, Indigenous peoples, like every Indigenous community has a story of lost children and many stories, thousands of stories. And all we have to do is talk to any survivor and any survivor will tell you that there are stories of children who went into the sanatorium in the schools often with tuberculosis, and they never emerged or they just disappeared. Children who escaped and were never seen again. Uh, children who, frankly, uh, suffered from murder within the schools as well, from staff, sometimes older students, and that they also disappeared as well. There is a, an epidemic within the schools of death, uh, either from disease, from starvation, from sickness, or from violence, and within those uh, indigenous peoples are very very familiar with that story unfortunately canadians for lots of different reasons are not aware and are just at the very you know for the very first time often learning about what's happened within the schools and while the trc did a good job there's still more stories to tell
2: hmm This uh, former school in Kamloops was one of the biggest in the country. What, what do we know about the residential schools here? And uh, uh, are we hearing, are, are people in the Indigenous communities hearing stories of um, possibly mass graves like this here as well in, in Manitoba?
0: Yes. So since Thursday, uh, people have been going to social media and pointing out the uh, unmarked burials uh, throughout Manitoba. Now, what the TRC did, it it wasn't within the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which of course my father wasn't involved heading it uh, with two other commissioners. It wasn't part of the TRC mandate to uncover unmarked burial spaces within residential schools in the country, uh, over 150. Uh, It's that they did it anyways, even though they asked the federal government several times to do investigations, and they know about the fact that there are unmarked burial grounds, often mass burial grounds, within the spaces of residential school. The federal government refused to do that in 2014. So since that time, uh, what the TRC did is, in their final stages, did a report um, which was uh, published by an academic out of Lakehead University. It's on the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation website right now. It was put up last night, which indicates that there are. About 75 or so sites that the TRC was able to uncover, unmarked sites in residential schools throughout the country. And what they did is they used drone technology, Google Earth technology to take a wide scale, also using archival maps to be able to find sites. And many of those are within Manitoba. And there are lots of sites that have been covered over over time and neglect. For instance, in Brandon, at the Brandon Residential School, uh, you have a residential school cemetery, which when the residential school moved due to a flood, uh, they had forgotten or neglected or frankly didn't care that the cemetery was there. And it's now paved over and a trailer park is there. And so, you know, people are parking their trailers on the top of the sites of children's cemetery, uh, children's bodies. It's a very tragic scene. It's the kind of more endemic to what's the nature of the way residential schools was often treated in this country was to ignore it, to pretend it's not there, and then simply move on with with the business of running Canada. Hmm.
2: We have to uh, we have to find these other mass graves uh, and and you know the the flags at half staff and uh, and uh, the kids' shoes that are are you know. Uh, memorializing these lives that were lost this is all necessary but then what 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 do we have to do negan beyond uh, feel horrible about this mourn it and and then what
0: well i think the key here is uh for canadians this is a very new conversation and frankly in the most respect i could possibly muster possible i'll say Canadians are not ready for this conversation. They haven't been conditioned or trained or supported in such a way that they're ready to talk about what is the foundation of this country, which is violence against Indigenous peoples. The fact that every single part of the economy is built on Indigenous lands and resources, most of it's stolen. That we have uh, spaces that we live in in which Indigenous peoples have suffered tremendously and continue to on the streets of Winnipeg, for example. And yes, Violence and genocide was a foundational part of building this country and, and having that conversation is very hard. It's very traumatic. And part of that is education, becoming aware, you know, taking classes like many of my classes at the University of Manitoba or in the community and so on. But then the key is, is not to let that paralyze you. The key is to talk about it, because we know that the outcome of violence is often silence, meaning people don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. People don't want to engage it. They want to say, this has nothing to do with me. But unfortunately, it has everything to do with you. You live in lands in which these things have happened. You work in an economy in which was built based on those things that happened. And we also have to live together. We have to live Work and sometimes be married with one another in this community, especially in Manitoba, where 20% of the population is Indigenous, means we all have a responsibility to live and be kind to one another. That means we must act differently, talk differently in our workplaces, in our living room, train our children. Help our children to understand that this is an important thing. That's the foundation of our, of our relationships with one another. And then change. You know, refuse to accept that violence. To, to look at one another and say, we are all in this together. And whether it be driving through areas of the city where we see tremendous poverty and violence still happening, that we don't turn away from that. We say we need to double down on the audacity of love, and the audacity of kindness, and believing that we are one community together. Don't turn away from it. Turn towards it and know that we are better together.
2: Negan, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, me Thank you.
2: Negan Sinclair native studies professor at the University of Manitoba and a well-known columnist as well Uh, let me just play a couple of other clips here I played one of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the beginning of our conversation with Negan here's another one from the Prime Minister on this uh, heartbreaking subject
1: sadly this is not an exception or an isolated incident we're not going to hide from that we have to acknowledge the truth residential schools were a reality a tragedy that existed here in our country and we have to own up to it
2: which is sort of what negan was saying uh, at the end of the conversation we had with him there and uh, this is ndp leader, uh, ndp leader Jagmet singh he couldn't even speak he held a news conference and broke down i'm sorry <laughs> we're going to fight for justice for you Hearing from many of you um, that you have quit smoking during the pandemic. Fantastic. That is great news. I was wondering if maybe people have been smoking more. Smokers have been smoking more. Maybe some uh, former smokers or even non-smokers have taken up the habit again or started smoking because of the stress of the pandemic. Keep them coming. Text messages 204-780-6868 or you can email me. Hal at CJOB.com. I'll just read a quick one here from Keith. Hal, I'm a smoker most of my life. Used to smoke a pack a day, uh, 25 cigarettes, but decided about a month ago to try and quit. Using my own strategy, I decided to smoke one cigarette less every day. As of last Saturday, I was down to four cigarettes a day. Good for you, Keith. But since I'm going for my first vaccine shot on Friday, I decided to stay at four till after the shot. I'm nervous about the shot. No sense putting more stress on me. After that, they're gone. Good for you. And don't stress about the shot. Don't stress about the jab in the arm. Um, you, you'll be fine. Um, I And we learned today, as you heard in the news, uh, people like me who received the first dose of AstraZeneca can now uh, get the Pfizer or Moderna uh, 8 to 12 weeks out from that first uh, dose of the AstraZeneca. Joining us on the phone now to talk more about uh, smoking, because it's World No Tobacco Day, Neil Johnston, the President and CEO of the Lung Association of Manitoba. Neil, good afternoon. Hi there, Hal. Hi, thanks for doing this. Does that surprise you? I'm hearing from a lot of smokers uh, who say they're no longer smoking. Uh, Is that surprising to you?
1: Well, yes and no.
2: We know that... uh, uh, People smoke
1: often as a stress relief, a way of coping. Uh, I have to say it's not really a healthy way of coping, but it's certainly uh, certainly one, one way people do try and cope with, with all the, the things that life has to throw at us. So with COVID and pandemic and disruption, job loss, all these things, health issues, yes, lots of stress people might be having a hard time to quit. But we're also seeing as a, as a stimulus to quit because, of course, COVID affects the lungs, smoking affects the lungs, and you put the two together, and it's a double whammy. And and uh, uh, I think people just focused on their healthy breathing uh, and, their, and the things that they can do that are into their control to, to help them live uh, have a healthy life. Mm-hmm. So there was sort of a mixed bag of things going on, and overall... Of course, there was a Statistics Canada study released uh, in March, basically indicating that uh, smoking rates are a bit down overall in Canada.
2: Hmm, which yeah. is good. How many people still smoke? Do we have a number? Is there a percentage?
1: It's um, in about uh, fifteen to sixteen percent, which is way down from the you know the bad old days of uh, half half of the uh, country smoked. So we are going definitely in the right direction. Um, We are concerned about vaping uh, because that is actually plateaued a bit and and it's very prevalent in youth. And youth aren't really taking up smoking. It's um, older adults that are smokers. But, you know, within Manitoba, that's still 200,000 people that are smoking. And we know that smoking kills 50% of people that keep smoking. So we do have a lot of work to do to uh, help people, uh, um, you know, with their quit attempts
2: hmm uh, Speak about COVID. I mean, obviously, you know, we're in the third wave of this pandemic. The ICU numbers, uh, hospitalizations are, are pretty scary right now. We're starting to see some of the other numbers come down. Uh, but as you point out, this virus attacks our ability to breathe. And, and so mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have really been following this uh, closely at the Lung Association.
1: That's right, yeah. So the WHO is looking at numbers across the world state that smokers face a 40 to 50% higher risk of developing severe disease and death from COVID-19. So on top of everything else that smokers face, well, you know, because of the effects of tobacco, inhaling tobacco smoke, you layer in on top of that the added risk of of a severe outcome with COVID-19. So we really are encouraging people to smoke. It's always a good time to quit. It's never too late. Uh, you know the people have been smoking for 30 40 50 years it's yeah, there's always been smoking
2: my parents uh, were heavy smokers uh, my dad uh, it didn't it didn't begin in his lungs but it it ended up in his lungs cancer took my mm-hmm. dad in, in the mid 90s uh, my mom moved from her home into a seniors complex and just after you know 50 years of smoking just put him away she just stopped. She, she didn't, and in a, to this day it blows me away that my mom quit smoking like that, and I, I mentioned Keith, you know, and what Keith is doing. Is there a right way or a wrong way or a good way or a better way to try and quit, Neil? Well, the key is having
1: support, having a plan and having support. The support could be family, a mentor who's quit. Uh, it could be using nicotine replacement uh, as support, uh, counseling. At you know, the Lung Association, we do Offer free counseling for for uh, smokers who are having a hard time quitting. Um, you know, despite many quit attempts, and heavy smokers. So we focus in on that uh, group of smokers. So having support, having a plan, pick a date, and then have you know, part of your plan is what are you going to do to cope with the stressors or the reasons that you're smoking? What are the triggers, and what are you going to do replace the bad habit with good habits?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and it, so it so is a world to- note. And it is World No Tobacco Day, and I appreciate you coming on and and talking about this. We mentioned COVID, uh, but you you do much more at the Lung Association. Touch on a bit of that, and and then give us your website so people can find you.
1: Yeah, we're at uh, www.mb.lung.ca, and we have, of course, smoking cessation programs. We have uh, a smoking prevention and vaping prevention program called Lungs are for Life for Youth. It's a middle, mid-school year program. We also have Lungtivity, which is an exercise program for people living with chronic lung disease.
2: You know, just about vaping for a quick second here before I let you go. I've been watching uh, some shows. You know, we're all watching more TV and more movies and more shows. And a couple of them uh, have been set in the in the 60s, 70s, back when people smoked a lot more. And it's unusual to see people smoking in a show now, right, because so few of us smoke. But vaping, I, I'll watch shows now and everybody's vaping in the shows, which has to be a concern too. And that adds to people wanting to give it a try.
1: Yeah, we're concerned about the image of vaping. Of course, our lungs are made to inhale clean air. Vape uh, vapor is not clean air, so there's definitely some health effects. Um, so, and we're and that's and vaping is being taken up more by young people, you know, um, teenagers, young teenagers, and uh, some of them end up going on to become tobacco smokers, and certainly there's a nicotine addiction issue there as well. So we're concerned mm-hmm. about that, and we're working to reduce exposure to uh young people uh to vaping and, and, and including vaping in the movies there is a, a a move afoot to eliminate vaping in movies as well
2: mm-hmm. hey neil thanks a lot for this really appreciate it
1: appreciate the opportunity take care everybody out there
2: Bye, you Mike. bet. Neil Johnston, the president and CEO of the Lung Association of Manitoba. Carolyn just sent in this uh, text message here, 204-780-6868. How I've been a quote-unquote closet smoker, on and off, uh, on for the most part since my teens, now 47. I'm super proud to have quit for good, mid-October 2020. Good for you. Uh, COVID made me quit being a closet smoker, ain't easy when everyone's home all the time, so I figured rather than uh, fighting and uh, and hide, uh, fighting the hiding, perhaps it was a good time to just go ahead and try to quit. I went on the patch. Highly recommended, by the way. I haven't had a single drag for seven and a half months now. Looking forward to reaching my one-year mark come October 2021. Feeling great. So glad I finally made the change and gave up the stinky, unhealthy habit. Carolyn, good for you. And And Rui, up at Nothing But Tech, um who is doing great after that uh robbery up there that I'm sure many of you heard about and I'm doing Rui's commercials for him right now nothing but Tech 1960 Main Street Rui sent me a text saying how I I just uh quit um seven months ago it's been seven months for him after years of smoking he finally uh gave it up so good for all of you uh, and listen you don't uh I I know my mom and dad quit tried to quit many many times just keep it up and as uh, neil said I, I think a big part of it is uh the supports and certainly they can help you out at the long association and as uh, carolyn mentioned the patch uh, there's help out there just uh, stick with it keep it up uh, as carolyn said you'll feel better and uh you'll be around longer too and that's uh that's probably the most important reason to give it up or keep trying to give it up